beloved. Welcome to My Strength and My Shield, a podcast about spiritual and self-care. So, it's officially the first episode. I'm excited. Get excited. (laughs) Sorry, I was doing a little dance in my chair because I really am excited. I've been looking forward to getting started with this podcast for you have no idea how long and I'm looking forward to the topic that we're specifically talking about today and I think it's a really good starting point for what what I hope is going to be um, really good deep conversations even though I'm kind of talking to you on you know through a podcast I do look forward to any feedback that you have as well as I've already started to get emails from people with the questions that they have which I am going to answer at the end of every podcast. So I'm I'm excited and I hope you're excited to be here as well. Before we jump into the topics that we're going to talk about today, I first want to say that there will be a website that accompanies this podcast. Um, It's www.mystrengthandmyshield.com. It is currently under construction because A few of you may know I've been studying really hard for an exam and that has taken up the bulk of my time. So unfortunately, I haven't been able to really tinker with the website and have it look exactly like I want it to look, but the website will actually be really helpful because with every podcast that I'm going to put out, I will sometimes, or not even sometimes, I will be including Bible verses and I want you guys to have it to maybe look over beforehand or even just to have before or during the podcast itself as you're listening to it as well as if there are any resources that I would like to provide when we do start to talk about self-care I want that to be at your fingertips so it will come out to the website I mean will come out with the next episode as well as other admin stuff about the days that I will be releasing the podcast and things like that. So please keep a lookout for that. Um, I will be finding different ways to disperse that information, whether it's through a newsletter or right now I'm mainly doing it through my Tumblr, which is um, youngblackandvegan.tumblr.com. But I want to find different ways to make sure that I get the podcast out. So just be on the lookout for that. That's you know just some of the housekeeping matters if you are wondering about the website itself. Um, The second thing before we get started, I would like to start every podcast with a prayer. And I know that that's kind of weird to have someone praying before the beginning of a podcast, but because we will be talking about spiritual care, I think it's important that we orient ourselves towards God if we are going to talk about these things. When I talk to family members and friends that may come to me either to talk about God or life or anything like that, I often pray with them or at least I pray for them because I want to make sure that if I do give any advice or if I am speaking to something that could ultimately alter the way that they think spiritually or emotionally. I want to make sure that I'm oriented around God so that it's not just, you know, what Nisi thinks you should do or anything like that. I'm very purposeful with my words and I want that to come through in this podcast as well. So if you're able to, um, just close your eye. Oh, well, if you're driving, please do not close your eyes. If you're doing something important, if you're at work or something like that, obviously don't close your eyes. 
eyes. But if you are able to just um, close your eyes or even if not, just lend your spirits towards, you know, the purpose that we have in coming together for this podcast. So if you could just close your eyes and I'll go ahead and get started. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us together to have this opportunity to fellowship, to spend a couple of moments just focusing on you and focusing on our spiritual and self-care. There are so many things that we need to focus on, a million and one different obligations, responsibilities, and titles that may pull us this way and that. But it's so important that we spend some time focused on you, building this relationship with you so that when we are making decisions in those responsibilities and titles and obligations, that we never forget to put you first. I pray that as we dive into the topics today, talking about being able to talk to you, dear Lord, and also potentially asking for help if we need it through a therapist or a counselor, that we take some time to reflect on the things that we're talking about, that you allow it to touch people, to open eyes and to open ears so that people can receive this message. I pray that you just remind us that time focused on you is never wasted. I pray that you allow us to come together and that we leave this podcast better than when we began. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so let's get started. The first part of the podcast will always be spiritual care. So the topic for today is talking to God. I thought that this would be a really great starting point because I think that a lot of times we get bogged down in what we are supposed to do as Christians, the way we are supposed to act and the words that we're supposed to use. The wonderful thing I think about being Christian or just being spiritual and being connected to God is that there is no right or wrong way to come to God. I can't tell you how many times I've received questions that are like, how do I pray? What am I supposed to say? Where do I get started? I want this podcast to be a launching pad and a challenge to all of you, whether it's because you've already have a relationship with God and you talk to him, he's your homie, you talk to him all the time, or you're a person that's maybe a little bit hesitant about talking to God and you don't really know where to start, and obviously everywhere in between. I want this to be a launch pad, a beginning, a catalyst to either begin this conversation with God or to rethink the ways that you do talk to God. Um, it, I, I really do think it's a hurdle that people have to get over uh, with prayer or with Christianity in general is this idea that you have to be perfect before you come to God. That in order to be a, a really good Christian or the quote unquote best Christian that you can be, you have to be proper. And if you ha- made a mistake yesterday, you're not good enough to talk to God today. And that's really just not how Christianity works. There is no right or wrong way to talk to God. If anything, talking to God when you are at your messiest is the best time to talk to God. Because Jesus didn't come to save perfect people. He came for the everyday person, the person like you or me who has stumbled, who's made mistakes. And the idea that you have to be perfect to talk to God, it's really a barrier that stops you from being able to get closer to God. That's why I really wanted to get started in this specific area. So the 
first thing I want to say is there's basically three different things that I pray about. Now, this doesn't mean that this is the only way to pray or that there aren't, obviously, there's so many things that we can talk to God about. But when I think about the prayers that I give or that I say to God and the ones that I have to remind myself are ne- are necessary to have in my prayers, because sometimes I feel like there are one-sided ways that we come for God or like we only come when we need something. And so I do push myself to make sure that I pray in these three different areas. And I'll go into more detail about each, but the three different areas are the prayers of thanksgiving, the prayers of need, and the prayers drawing closer to God. Now the prayers for thanksgiving are probably the easiest prayers, the prayers that we've probably spoken without ever really realizing what these prayers mean. It's those moments when you just have to stop and thank God. It could be any moment where you feel like something great has happened in your life and you just know that it wasn't really just up to you. It was up to God and it was his will. That's thank you, Lord. Or when you just look at something like, for example, you know, when my goddaughter was born and I saw her beautiful little face, I just had to thank God because there is nothing more beautiful than looking into a precious baby's face and I had to say thank you for that. You know, like obviously there are so many beautiful things in the world that you sometimes have to thank God for. But sometimes for me, the prayers of Thanksgiving that I give are the ones where I have to thank God for getting me out of situations that I couldn't have gotten myself out of. These are the prayers where you recognize how mighty God is and you take a step back and realize that there are so many things that go on in this world, so many dark and terrible, awful things. And every so often you have to tell yourself to say thank you. Every breath, every heartbeat that you have, it's an opportunity to say thank you. So so prayers of thanksgiving are, you know, they're really simple. You look around, you know, if you're at home and you see a roof over your head, <laughs> thanks God, thanks for that. Um, if you got some good food on the plate, you, you say thanksgiving for that. If you have an opportunity to have a moment with someone that you love or that you cherish, you thank God for that. Those are those prayers that are so important. And it's important to actually speak those words to God because it's not enough to just be happy and to live a life where you feel thankful. Sometimes you have to express that gratitude to God. The next area are prayers for need. Now, these are prayers, to be honest, that were difficult for me to ask for because sometimes I felt like the things going on in my life were so trivial how could I ask God for anything? Or on the flip side, I often didn't even know where to get started with asking for things because I felt like there are so many things on my spirit where, what do you even ask God, you know? And I think that prayers of need, it's, it's a balance, right? Like all of the three things that I talk about, it's not enough to just go to God and ask for things. 
But it is important that you do ask God for what is on your heart. What are the things that really do matter to you? And it could be anything from asking for guidance in a job opportunity or with school or in a relationship or just asking for coverage when you're traveling, whether it's to school or work or you're traveling overseas, praying for covering, praying for the blood to cover you, that is a prayer of need. So the first Bible verse that I wanna bring up, it's a short and sweet one. It's Mark verse 11, no, <laughs> chapter, chapter 11, verse 24. And it's, therefore I tell you, Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, I want to be clear that when you ask for things from God, it is not because or it should not be because you expect God to be a genie. There will be times when you ask God for things and you do not get it. This doesn't mean that God's not listening. This doesn't mean that you prayed wrong. Sometimes there are things working for you in your favor that you don't even see. So when you don't get what you ask for, it doesn't mean that God hates you or you don't deserve to have the thing that you're asking for. It may also be that you're asking for the wrong thing or for the wrong reasons. And that's why we pray, right? Is to figure out the ways that we can get closer to God so that we can listen to him and also understand what are the things I should be asking for. But Prayer and asking for things is also about communicating to God what is on your heart. And speaking certain things to God allows you, it's, almost, it's thinking out loud. It gives you an opportunity to orient your priorities. It really shows you what is on your heart. So if you go to God and you pray to him, uh, you know, because you want a new car or because you really, really, really want to buy X, Y, Z, that's all good and well, and God may bless you with the monetary means to buy what you're looking for. But sometimes you don't get what you ask for because you might be asking for superficial reasons. So if you need a car because you need to get to work or because you're interested in volunteering and the only way that you can get there is through your car, that's one thing. If you want to get a car so you can shine on other people, that's a different thing. And as a Christian, you know how important it is to make sure that when you ask for things and when you talk about the things that are on your heart, that what you're asking for is something that is pleasing to God and not just for selfish reasons, right? But if it's important to you, then you need to bring it to God. So as we do the podcast, I'm going to talk more and more about things like relationships and stuff like that. But a lot of times we don't... Pray to God for a covering over our heart because it's so important that we focus on asking God for the things that are important to us. So if love is important to you, then you need to pray to God. You need to ask him for the covering to make sure that you're making the right decisions. The same thing for any kind of achievement that you're going for. These are the prayers of need that I'm talking about. Now, specifically going back to Mark, he talks about in that chapter, you know, not just praying, but believing that in praying for what's important to you, that God will provide. It's another thing entirely to believe that 
if you do ask for something, it will be taken care of. That you believe that God will work things out for you. Now, I know that that's difficult um, because it's, it's kind of conflicting, right? Like on the one hand, you have to pray, let go, let God, and figure that he will work everything out. But on the other hand, in 1 Samuel 12, you know, it says, it tells us to pray without ceasing, right? So what do we do? Are we supposed to pray once and think that God has it under control? I personally believe that it's okay to obviously pray for what you want. Pray without ceasing means pray until you have seen what you're asking for materialize. That's not the same as saying you don't believe God, so you have to keep asking because you don't think that God is paying attention to you. You pray without ceasing because it's important to you. You pray, you invest your time in talking to God and for asking for what you need. Like I said before, this was pretty difficult for me in terms of the area that I knew I needed to bump up because I was afraid to ask for certain things. And I realized that in not asking for what I wanted, it's often because I didn't believe either that I deserved it or that God would provide. That's a huge hurdle that stops people from really believing when they pray that it's an opportunity to get closer to God and to get to know what God will do in your life. So I urge you, So really focus on this area, the area of praying for what you need, because it allows you to focus on what is important to you, expressing what's important to you, to God, and trusting that God will do X, Y, Z to make sure that what you're praying for actually happens. Now, the final prayer area that I personally think is the most important, and I honestly think that this is something that people overlook all the time because it's easy to pray to say thank you when everything's going great in your life. And it's easy to pray, you know, obviously not necessarily easy, but more so it comes naturally to pray when something's going wrong and you need something from God, right? The most important area that I really encourage every Christian to focus on is prayers to draw closer to God. Really think about the purpose of prayer. Why do we pray? What do we hope to gain from prayer? What actually happens when we say words and we speak them out into what others would see as empty air? What what are we even doing here? For me, prayer is an opportunity to get closer to God. There are things that I pray about with God that nobody knows that I'm struggling with. There are pieces of me that only God knows. And it is about building an intimate relationship with God. It's about growing closer to God and allowing him into my heart, into my life, so that the choices that I make are a reflection of God's grace. That when I act or speak, that people are able to see God in me because I have grown closer to God. And the number one way that I do that is through prayer. Yes, going to church is important. Yes, reading the Bible is important. But it's those intimate moments that you have with God and what you really pray about and the ways that you want to get closer to God. Most important thing I think in terms of living your life as a Christian is praying for discernment. 
Discernment is also how you decide between choices. How you decide between something that's good and bad for you. Praying to God and opening yourself up to what God wants to tell you, drawing closer to God, is how you sharpen that skill of discernment. I've had people ask me about the choices that I've made in my life and ask, you know, how did you know that this was the right choice for you? How did you know that going to school was the right choice for you or your field was the right choice for you? And it's because of prayer and it's because of praying to God, talking intimately with God, begging and pleading for him to get closer to me so that I could tell if what I was doing was right or wrong, if it was the right choice for me. A lot of times we assume that God, because he works in wonderful ways and he's moving through our lives, there is this assumption that he'll just show up in your heart. But you have to invite God into your heart. You have to ask him. You have to ask him for guidance. You have to ask him because that's the difference between a believer and a non-believer, right? Like the non-believer thinks that they can go through life without needing anyone else. But a person who is a Christian or who believes in God knows that they have to ask God for guidance. And prayer is that intimate time with God. Now, the next Bible verse is Jeremiah 33, 3. And that says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Call to me and I will answer you. Another issue that people often have is, how do I know when God is talking to me? Well, sometimes you don't know if he's talking to you because you're not talking to him. Take some time. Set aside time every day and just talk. And like I said at the beginning of this, it doesn't have to be perfect. It could be as simple as saying, God, I haven't talked to you in a while. But I'm just asking for you to just just come into my heart and help me. Guide me. Lead me. Simple prayers like that. It doesn't have to be a 12-page essay on the reasons why you need God into your life. Sometimes it's a simple prayer asking God to draw close to you so that you can build that relationship with God. So again, like the three areas that I focus on and that I hope will help you in terms of figuring out what you should or shouldn't be praying for I honestly think you should be praying for everything. Like there's no limits to the things that you could pray for. But in terms of my nightly prayers, how I orient myself, it's prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of need, and prayers of drawing closer to God. Now the next thing I want to talk to you about is the three ways to pray. Again, I don't think that there's a right or wrong way to pray. I think that there are silent prayers, there's prayers out loud, there's prayers with others, there's prayers by yourself. And I kind of want to talk to you about those prayers. But again, these are guidelines. These are not me saying that the way that you're praying is wrong. They're just the different kinds of prayers that come up um, when I'm either praying by myself or fellowshipping with others. So the first type of prayer is fellowship prayers. The second one is silent prayers. And the third one is, is our quick prayers. Fellowship prayers, silent prayers, and quick prayers. So the first one is fellowship prayers. And those are the prayers that I either say with people or for people. 
And when I pray for other people, I pray not just for the people that I know, but also for the people that I don't know. And when I pray with other people, I've prayed with friends and family, but I've also prayed with people that I don't really know that closely, but have opened themselves up to pray with me. Again, I don't think that you have to be, I'm not a minister, I'm not a pastor, and so me praying with or for another person is not because I think I have some authority, but because there's something special about fellowshipping with another person and opening yourself up in an intimate way and speaking directly to their spirit and also allowing other people to pray for you as well. And I know that sometimes that can be a little tricky. You know, you go to church and they say, you know, hug your neighbor. And I know me, I'm an introvert. I <laughs> I put the biggest smile that I can and I say, God bless you. But sometimes, you know, it's, it's weird to have random people pray for you. But when I talk about fellowship prayers, I also mean how important it is to pray for other people. There are friends that I know that are struggling that will never know that I pray for them, but I pray for them fervently. I have had friends that I pray for with tears in my eyes because I want God to move in their life. Now, obviously, I don't control God, and God is gonna move as God sees fit in different people's lives, but there isn't importance to praying for other people because it pushes you to stop thinking for yourself. So the three different ways, uh, the prayers that I told you about before, the three different things to pray for, if you focus on those things, you can focus on just your relationship with God and the things that you want and you could be boom, done. But as a Christian, we are called to fellowship and we're called to lend ourselves, to extend ourselves beyond our comfort zones. So when I think of fellowship and fellowshipping with others and praying with others. It's both with other people that I care about and also people that I don't really know that well, but maybe, you know, just by being there is a is a presence, is a blessing for them. And I want you to become comfortable in your spirituality that you're comfortable praying for other people even when you're around them. I said at the beginning of the podcast that there are times when I do pray with my friends out loud over the phone. That's not something I was raised doing. I didn't grow up in the church like a lot of other people that I know. But it's something that convicts me because I want my friends to know that I care about them when they're not around. I want them to know that I'm going to take, yes, it's fun to kiki and it's fun to laugh and have a good time. But I want them to know that I'm there for them spiritually. And I pray that either you can be that friend to someone or you, you find a friend that's like that for you that will just stop and pray for you and make sure and cover you with their prayers. The next Bible verse I want to talk to specifically about fellowship is James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Again, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So there's that part is that verse has a lot of layers. So I do want to take it one at a time. So there is the confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That may seem really tricky, right? Like, why are you confessing to other people? I take that part to mean be open and honest. 
if you really do have that kind of relationship with the friend or family member that you're talking to or in your relationship with your significant other, don't put on airs. Of all the times to be fake and phony, it's not when it's prayer time. So be open. When you're praying, be honest. Don't go through the motions. If you feel compelled to pray, do so in an open and honest and genuine way. Now, the next part says that you may be healed. Now, that's interesting, right? Because it's telling you to pray for other people, but it's saying that you may be healed. And that's what I was talking about before, about the power of praying for other people. Because there is a shift in your spiritual orientation when you stop just focusing on you and you remind yourself, no, 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 it's not just about me and I'm not just doing this by myself. And it shifts. And that slight shift could be everything between getting closer to that person and closer to God and shutting yourself off from other people. And finally, it says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Obviously, the as it is working part is a reminder to you that, you know, God is working. Whether you pray or not, God is going to do what God has to do. But it's empowering you and letting you know that you have great power when you pray for someone else. Now, the word righteous, I don't want you to, to misconstrue that to mean that you have to be a perfect person. That this is saying a perfect person who prays has power. It's saying that a person, a righteous person, essentially is a person who embraces God and the power of God, that your prayer as a person who recognizes the power of prayer, you have great power in praying for somebody else. Fellowship prayers is not something that's often talked about, at least in my experience as a Christian. And that's why I wanted to bring it up in this area, because I want to challenge you as you're working on praying for yourself, that if you do have someone who's struggling that comes to you, you know, you could say something as simple as, do you want to pray together? Even if it's just in silent, I just want to let you know that I'm praying for you. Or it could just be, I, you know, a text message where you say I'm praying for you. And it's important that when you say I am praying for you, that you mean it. That it's not a girl, I'm praying for you. Or, all right, homie, you're struggling. Let me pray for you and then you don't really do it. The power of the prayer is actually taking five minutes out of your day and just praying. Now the second kind of way to pray is the silent prayer. Now this is my favorite kind of prayer. Um, I tend to be a person that sometimes prays out loud, like I'll be walking down the street and if I see something, I pray. Um, not in a crazy kind of way, or not necessarily crazy, in a ostentatious kind of loud way, but I tend to talk to myself. And that could be because I'm an only child and sometimes, you know, I grew up talking to myself. Or it could just be because I don't have a moment to find a silent prayer. Um, but for me, growing as a Christian has meant setting time aside, close the door, turn off the lights if necessary, get away from the phone, get away from the computer, and pray in silence. That has been the hardest thing and the most beneficial thing because it really doesn't take too much time to just to stop whatever you're doing and just pray. But we make it seem like it's this hard, terrible thing. We forget to pray. We'll pray tomorrow. We'll pray when we get our Bible study together. We'll pray when it's devotional time. 
some of the most valuable prayers that I've had is when I literally go into my room, close the door and turn the lights off. Even in living by myself, I still turn the light off and close the door and create a sanctuary, a space that's just me and God. The important reason why praying by yourself is so important is especially if you're a person that goes to church often um, and you're a person that prays in the pews and you assume the position and you do what you have to do to show that you are praying. Um, That's important, right? Like you're going to church and you want to be a part of the atmosphere. But again, it's about those intimate moments that you have with God. What are you reflecting on? What are you talking to God about? What are in your silent, private thoughts? How do you pray? So one of the Bible verses that stands out to be is Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And it's kind of long, so bear with me. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. If you have a chance, go ahead and run that back. I'm not going to read it again. But it is such a powerful, powerful, powerful passage. Focus not so much on the fact that it's, it's basically a juxtaposition between what the hypocrites do and what a believer does, right? But it's a call to do more than just go through the motions, right? So a part of this passage that stands out to me is because I, I think of the common words that we see. Because it says, you know, don't do what others do who pray so that they may be seen by others. It lets you know that there are people who pray in a loud way because they want to be seen. But sometimes you just need to pray by yourself. Now, the passage talks about how they receive their their benefit or their reward in public. Like, they've already received it. And that's because if they're trying to be seen, if their goal is to be seen, then fine, they will be seen. But in terms of building a real intimate relationship with God, you pray in silent, in secret, in your room, close the door, and in secret, God will bless your life. It's not about who sees or doesn't see. That is the the power of praying in silent by yourself. The final thing is also, the passage talks about, you know, there are people who use empty phrases and they want to be heard for their many words. And it tells you, do not be like that. Now, this directly counters any kind of idea, and I hope that it counters for you, any idea that you have to be perfect and use the right words to pray to God. Because if you say, dear Lord, I need help, and you sit in silence for an hour after that phrase, that can be a powerful prayer right there. You don't always need to open up the, and so I do sometimes, like if there's a passage that speaks to me, I will pray over that passage. 
but you don't need to have like the perfect scripture. You know, there are Psalms and Proverbs that in the Bible that tell you all the different prayers that people say to God. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be poetry. Don't think about the words that you use. Think about the intent, the intent behind the words, what you're trying to say and what you're trying to connect with God about. Those are those silent prayers that I encourage you are so important because, again, those are not the prayers that are for show. Those are the prayers that are about you and about God and about demonstrating your faith and your trust and belief that when you speak, God is listening. And the final kind of prayer is the quick prayer. Um, quick prayers are what I think people should, or I had to work on specifically because I I kind of went from one extreme to the other. Like, there was a time where I just talked to myself and I thought that was good enough. And there was times when I was praying in church and I thought that was good enough. And then there were times that I thought, well, I, you know, I don't need to go to church. I'll just pray by myself. That's good enough. Quick prayers goes back to that verse where I was talking about praying without ceasing in First Samuel um, 12. I'm not sure the specific verse, but it's, you know, it's First Samuel um, 12. And it's talking about praying without ceasing. It's about having a spirit that is continually praying while you're walking around. So, for example, um, like if I'm driving and I see an ambulance, I pray for the person that that ambulance is going to or if I see a car accident. Or I'll pray if it's a particularly beautiful day and, you know, I'm playing Pokemon Go. Yes, I'm addicted and I'm not ashamed. <laughs> but if I'm walking around and it's particularly beautiful, I've had times where I just stop and thank God for that. Or when I do have a couple of moments when I was at work, um, you know, I've had opportunities where I've prayed in the middle of an exam. The exam that I just had, I definitely said a few prayers those are the, the kind of quick prayers that allow you to just have God as a part of your day. You know, fellowship prayers often, it's when someone's in trouble or when you're at church. You know, silent prayers may be in the morning for your devotional or at night. Quick prayers are what you say throughout the day to continually connect with God and to make sure that you're continually seeking God as the day goes on. So those are the things that I really wanted to talk to you about in terms of talking to God. I really hope that you don't walk away from that thinking that there is a right or a wrong way to talk to God. I wanted to just show the different ways that I speak to God, um, to challenge you to pick up one, two, or three of the different ways. And if you are a person that already prays to God, maybe to, you know, because for me, I remember praying, you know, God is good, God is great, you know, let him know, it's, what is it? It's, um, God is gracious, God is good, let us thank him for our food, right? Like, um, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Like, the things that we just say because we've memorized it, I hope that if you're a person that prays in that way, that some, some of this has helped you, again, as a catalyst or a launch pad to rethink the way that you talk to God, the, the things that you ask for, I want you to walk away from this knowing that there's no right or wrong way to talk to God. There have been times that I've been so mad and frustrated that I've cursed when I've talked to God. You know, obviously not cursing at God, but more so if I'm so frustrated. And if I need to vent to God in that way, I do it. Because I'd rather say those words in, in the confines of a prayer, seeking God and seeking relief, 
than to go vent or ramble online or, you know, through social media or to a friend that maybe be listening but is not necessarily concerned about my spirit. You know what I'm saying? So that's the end of part two. So the second part of the podcast is going to be talking to a therapist or a counselor or any mental health professional. The reason why I wanted to include this as a starting point is because this podcast, like other podcasts that focus on mental health, I will not be shy about talking about mental health issues. I personally am not a professional, which is why if you've ever asked me a question on Tumblr that's specifically talking about things like suicide or self-harm, I typically don't respond to those messages and just reblog the information or offer resources specifically because I'm not a professional and I would caution you from taking mental health specific advice from a person who is not qualified to give that uh, advice to you in the first place. But I want to, I don't want to say destroy because I'm not the only person that talks about this stuff, but the idea that you have to be this perfect Christian is something that I want to constantly, if every week or every time I put out a podcast, I could just hammer that message in. There's no such thing as a perfect Christian. There's no such thing as a perfect person. Just like a per, any person God blesses to be a doctor or a criminal defense attorney or a, I don't know, a gymnast in the Olympics, God works in ways that allow people to get the skills and the professions that they're passionate about. That means that God also blesses mental health professionals. And I want you to think about mental mental health professionals like they're, you know, they're doctors, especially because some of them are doctors or have doctoral degrees. The idea that you're not a Christian or you're ungrateful if you're not if you're a Christian but you talk about depression or the things that you struggle with, it's counterintuitive to Christianity. There are people in the Bible who struggled with low self-esteem, who struggled with suicidal thoughts, who people who struggled with the mental health issues. There are examples that if you look at the context clues that people today may have been considered bipolar. Don't allow people to dictate to you what makes a Christian a Christian. You are not any less of a Christian because you have mental health issues. And again, if I could shout that from the mountaintops or hammer it in every week, I will, because there is nothing wrong with talking to someone either on the regular or when you're struggling with something specifically. And I want you to get into the habit of equipping yourself with the tools to put yourself in the best position for success. Forget what everyone else says you need to do or don't need to do. Take time to reflect and figure out what is going to make my life feel easier. And if, if talking to someone makes life a little less stressful, then do what you have to do. So as a light introduction into this whole thing, I just wanna start with some baseline just terminology because people may be confused about the difference between a psychologist, a psychiatrist, what this means or that means, and I, I think that's a good way to start. 
So starting off with a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is a medical doctor uh, who specializes in preventing, diagnosing, and treating mental illness. So they do have an MD after their name and they're able to prescribe um, medication and there's also um, mental health nurses that are able to do the same. These are licensed um, medical personnel that are able to actually give prescriptions. Um, the next is a psychologist. So before it was a psychiatrist, a psychologist is a person who has a doctoral degree um, in psychology who studies the minds and behaviors. So um, if you've ever gone to uh, speak to a counselor at a college or a law school or something like that, it's usually um, someone who has a doctoral degree in, in the mind or behaviors and things like that. A licensed mental health counselor is a counselor who obviously um, focuses on mental health and they have a master's degree in psychology counseling or some kind of related field. And in order to um, be that kind of professional, you have to have your master's and then two extra years of in the field work. Uh, a clinical social worker like my mommy, <laughs> um, they have a at least a master's degree in social work and training to be able to evaluate and treat mental illnesses. And they specifically focus on um, case management. And they are often people who are in hospitals who discharge patients if they've um, ever needed mental health observation and things like that. They work with a person with giving them, not necessarily giving them specifically the counselor, it's more like the triage like sometimes a social worker is the first responder and then they send some to a psychologist or psychiatrist or some kind of counselor um, the next terminology is just the words counselor and therapist they get thrown around um, and it depends on the jurisdiction or the state what it means because some in some places like a therapist has specific licensure that they have to have um, in order to operate or to have the title of a therapist versus a counselor. It, it, it depends on the jurisdiction. But counselors and therapists specifically um, employ different strategies to help you with therapy. So there's different kinds of, there's like behavioral therapy, cognitive therapy, um, holistic therapy. There's different kinds of therapies. And based off of the kind of things that you're looking for, it's basically the person who has the plan. Like what are, you know, they assess what you need. They go beyond what a social worker can do and they focus on, okay, so we're going to be meeting once a week, twice a week. And these are the kind of goals that we have. So that's really just a baseline of everything. Um, a lot of, you know, I mean, I looked up this stuff on WebMD, um, but all over the internet, they tell you the different classifications. What I wanna impress upon you is that if you are going to speak to someone on the regular, look them up and figure out their credentials. Because like I said, a, a, a counselor, excuse me, a counselor in one area and a therapist in another, you know, sometimes if you're, you know, like for example, if you go to Planned Parenthood or The Door, which is um, a similar service that's in New York, um, someone who's seen as a counselor, sometimes it's like a volunteer who has gone through a couple of hours of training. And that is great for emergency services or when you're dealing with someone who, you know, they are specifically trained to deal with things like suicide and rape and things like that. Um, but if you're looking for some of that long-term goals, make sure that you know information about the person that you'll be working with. And even if you're going to be using it through a free service, equip yourself 
with the understanding of the training that they have so that you can adjust your expectations. Um, like I said, there are certain schools that provide you with a counselor. Make sure that you do some research so that you're not walking into it thinking that this counselor is going to prescribe me medication. You know what I'm saying? So just take a moment to think about the different classifications and figure out what you're looking for before you go in. Um, basically, I, I, I want to, this is just the beginning of, again, a longer conversation because therapy and counseling is going to come up. It will come up later on. Um, and I think that first doing research on the person you'll be speaking with, as well as before you go to speak to someone, have a list of questions that you think are important. Be upfront with these people, uh, especially if you're in a situation where your healthcare can only cover you through XYZ amount of sessions. Don't waste time. Um, this is not the time to be shy, right? Like these people are paid to get to know you and to, to see what you need and to make the best of the time that you have. Sometimes it does take a while to warm up to the person that you're dealing with. But sometimes you might want to dive headfirst into your issues because you need to know, okay, can this person handle what I'm going through? So for example, if you're a, I remember um, when I was in middle school um, and I was transitioning into a predominantly white um, institution through prep for prep, I went to poly prep. None of this matters if you're not from New York. But I digress. <laughs> um, but I did have to speak to a counselor as a part of the transition process. And, you know, I was this black kid and I was talking to this white woman. And not to say that every white woman doesn't understand the situations, but this particular white woman did not. And obviously I was a child, but as an adult, that's something that I want to take into account because the, the last thing you want to do is to talk to a person about your issue and have them try to tell you that what you're going through isn't real. That's counterproductive. You want someone who knows what you're going through and can talk to you about those things. To wrap it up, because I don't want to, you know, we're going to dive deeper into these issues in the future. I want to talk a little bit about two experiences that I had um, with counseling. Um, one when I was an undergrad and one while I was in law school. Both were instituted through like the university program. So when I was an undergrad, I was struggling with depression very severely. And when I was in college, my mother, um, she was sick without going into too much detail. And I went to school just outside of Chicago. I'm originally from Brooklyn. Being away from my mom sent me into a spiral, especially when I found out that she had been hospitalized and that there was nothing that I could do. I went to a counselor at that situation because it was not necessarily for crisis, but because there was an emergency need and I needed to talk to someone so that I could just get through my studies. So there are some times when you do need to go to a counselor because you have a specific issue that you want to deal with. Now on the flip side, when I was in law school, I realized that I had as a part of, you know, all the fees that you have to pay as a, <laughs> a law student, um, they covered counseling sessions. And so my last two months of law school, I went to a counselor just to make sure that I was okay, almost to do a tune-up. I am personally going to be a public defender um, starting in September. And being a public defender requires you to deal with, obviously, an indigent population, people that can't afford their own attorney. And a lot of times, because I've already started to do the work, there are people that have their own issues. And I wanted to make sure that I was okay before I started to dive into helping other people with their own issues. 
I bring up those two things because there is this idea that if you talk to a counselor, it's because you're crazy or because something's wrong with you. Sometimes that's necessary. If you are struggling and you are in crisis, speak up, seek help. It is important. You are valuable. And there are people who get paid to help people like you out. So take advantage of the resources that you have. Please get help if you need it. But sometimes you also just need a neutral party that doesn't know you or your life that can give you perspective. When I would talk to the, the woman that I spoke to um, when I was in law school, and yes, she was a white woman, I would talk to her about everything from, you know, drama for, through law school, but also just tossing ideas about plans that I had because I wanted to change the way that I organized myself. I knew that I was about to graduate and I wanted to get rid of some old habits and I wanted to talk to her about that. And she gave me amazing feedback. There are different reasons why you may go to a counselor or a therapist, but any reason that you have that compels you to seek help is important. Don't overlook it. There are free resources that, again, as we go into it, I will provide links and information like that, but even a simple Google search, you don't have to be rolling in the dough to get a personal therapist. But if you do have those means, that's even more of a reason to compel you to dive into your pockets. If you could spend that money on everything else, invest that money in your mental health. Self-care is not just painting your toes and doing bubble baths, which I do all the time. I love bubble baths. But go deeper than that. Go deeper than the superficial things when you're dealing with issues that are not superficial. Allow yourself to prioritize your mental health in addition to working on your spiritual health. Talking to someone does not distract from you talking to God. You can do both. While I was going to a counselor, I was also praying. I was praying for my counselor to make sure that that person had good intentions when they were talking to me. I was praying to God to help them help me. So again, this is just an introduction, but I really want to charge you to not overlook how important it is to talk to someone. And as a last caveat, I don't personally believe in turning your friends and family into your therapist. Now, I do believe that if you can't get a therapist or anything like that, yes, it's important to have that one person that you can confide in. But if you are going to find that one person you confide in, do not be the person that constantly hits them up when you need something. Because if you're hitting up a friend, then you still have to be a friend. What I'm saying is that if you're going to ask someone and you're going to have that person as your bestie, your confidant, your main squeeze as the person that you want to vent to, that's fine. But do not, you know, let your other responsibilities fall by the wayside because when you are in a friendship or a relationship or even a relationship with a family member, you can't just take. Talk to someone, even if it is someone that you confide in, but make sure that if that person is not a professional, like the good thing about talking to a professional is you don't have to text them afterwards and be like, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. But if you have a friend or a family member that you do that to, please make sure that you thank them. Do not take advantage of the people that invest in you. Make sure that that's reciprocal. Show that love as well. responding to an email that I received 
Um, and for all of you that don't know, you can send an email to me with any question that you'd like to have answered on the podcast. And it's strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com. That's strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com. And just as a preface, because I know I didn't really spell it out before, um, if you send a message, I'm always going to respond. I'm going to say anonymous, like I'm not going to say your name. Um, so it's going to be really important that you don't send me information that's self-identifying. Um, obviously, I don't think that this is going to go national or anything like that. Like, I don't think if you send me a message, the person that you're talking about um, may find this podcast. But just, you know, for the sake of not um, divulging too much information. In addition, this one was particularly long. And if I figure out like a word limit, I will. Um, because it gave a lot of background about who the person was, but not necessarily the issue that they had. Um, and so I'm basically going to just sum up the the, bing, the beginning part, which is um, this is a letter from someone who's who's been through it is the easiest way that I can be. I can explain it. Um, someone who, as she wrote in her her letter, um, that she lost everything um, from housing, her friends, her job, her car. Um, but she had an opportunity to start up new um, and to start up in a different area of the country. And she's had an opportunity to um, have a new relationship and, and she's looking out for her friends and, and thinking that, you know, other friends who need a fresh start, she's thinking about them as well. Um, but the heart of the the issue of the matter, and I'm going to read this um, verbatim. Um, so she says, I'm scared of disappointing my family if I don't choose to move um, because I have a problem where I make commitments in my head and cling to them. But I realize, too, I need to make better choices, ones that would benefit me most in the long haul instead of jumping at every opportunity. I pray to remain steadfast to a clear goal. I guess my question is, how can I trust on which move to make? I've submitted to God, but unfortunately, I deal with anxiety from time to time and lean too much on my own understanding. Uh, I'm scared of having to restart all over again so soon when I just got this opportunity, and now God has placed another idea within my heart. Any advice you have would be pleasurable to know. I love you and all that you do. Uh, and I wish you the very best. Aw, so, such a sweetheart. Um, uh, but the reason why this question is so important to me to, to do this question, first off, you can tell that she's a believer because she understands the the problem of leaning too much on your own understanding. Um, what I'm hearing is her issue is not only her personal struggle with anxiety, um, but also with trying to figure out how do you determine what choices are the right choices and basically the issue of discernment. What I first will say, um, and it's very apropos to what we're talking about, right? Because you first want to know how God, you know, in talking to God, how do you develop discernment, but also making sure that you take care of your mental health, right? So the first thing that I'm going to say is, please, please, please make sure that you're taking care of your anxiety. Um, you didn't explain what kind of anxiety you have or how how it manifests itself in your life um, and obviously there's a, a broad spectrum of the ways that anxiety can impact us but I really do pray that you take that you don't discard that as just this this side note um, 
that you really are taking time to deal with it because a lot of the issues with planning can be connected to your anxiety. And again, I'm not gonna talk too much about that because I'm not a professional, but I will just say that make sure you're taking care of those things. I have friends that take anxiety medication or they talk to someone or they've talked to someone once and then they use those tools um, every so often when anxiety you know, becomes an issue again. So please make sure that you're taking care of that. Um, but the other thing is, how can I trust on which move to make? I may sound like an old fart when I say this, but I promise you, for me, when I decide what move to make, I have to pray on it. It is a must. And the reason why I pray, in this would be a, an opportunity for me to pray out loud, is because sometimes in praying out loud, you see the pros, the cons, the good side, the bad side, upside, downside, everything um, to the choice that you, that initially may sound like this really great idea. Um, you really do need to pray about every major decision that you make. In this letter, you're trying to decide whether to uproot yourself and to move somewhere else. These, This is a major, major decision, and I want you to slow down. And I know that um, sometimes when you're struggling with mental health issues, you're, you feel like your mind is going a mile a minute with new ideas, new opportunities. Slow down because you want to make sure that anything that you do is purposeful. There are going to be times that God tells you to get up and go. There are going to be times when you know that there are, you know, there is a choice you have to make and there's no time to second guess if this is right for you. But like I said before, time with God is never wasted. Stop and pray. The other thing about it is when you trust the choices that you make, a lot of it has to do with trusting yourself. So when you're a person who may have been making bad choices in the past, a, a difficult thing to do is to allow yourself to make choices now because you'll always think about, well, the last time I did this and the last time I had to start all over again, so why would I put myself through that again? If you truly are allowing yourself to live a new life and you have this new opportunity to start new, forgive yourself and move forward. You make mistakes when you're younger, when you don't have as much information, um, when situations are different. I feel like sometimes we we fault ourselves for making mistakes as if it's a, a vacuum, right? Like we made a bad choice, we chose the wrong person, we, we made this X decision, and it just may, means that we don't make good decisions. But if you stop and you think about the circumstances around the reasons that you made those choices, you realize that sometimes when you make a mistake, it's just because you're human and it doesn't mean that you don't have good judgment. So in addition to praying, I want you to slow down and to kind of let go of some of the mistakes that you made of the past and just trust yourself. Take a moment to think about, okay, what's important to you? And if you're making choices that lead you towards God and also lead you towards your own self, then that's never going to be a mistake. Yes, there are consequences to every choice that you make, but if you have a clear idea of who you are, even when you're making a choice in a murky situation, the choice that you make, you're going to feel good about that choice because it's a reflection of who you are. But first, you have to understand who you are so that that choice reflects you. I hope that that helps. Um, I know that I didn't get into some of the other parts of the letter, but again, um, 
the, the a lot of the personal stuff in terms of like where you work and the store name and the city and all that stuff. I just wanted to edit that out and really just hone in on the question that you have. Um, and thank you for sending this question because it's really on point with the topic that we have in dealing with our mental health issues as well as um, dealing with discernment and how we listen to God. So that wraps up the first episode of My Strength and My Shield. I really hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. Um, The length is probably longer than it's typically going to be because I feel like I did a lot of explaining and in the future I'm kind of just going to dive into things. There'll be no housekeeping, no explaining what I'm going to do with letters. We're just going to roll with it. But please, if you have any feedback, any thoughts, you know, send me an email, send me a message on Tumblr, Um, you know, keep me posted. I want this podcast to be an opportunity where you know that when you listen to this podcast, you're going to get a word in season, you're going to get challenged a little bit, and you're also maybe going to hear a letter from someone who is dealing with things that you're dealing with as well, so you don't feel so alone. Um, I pray that uh, this has been fruitful, that, you know, if there's ever a part of the podcast that you may need to save and listen to again, um, you know, that you do so. Uh, I really want you to understand that there's no such thing as being perfect and the best that we can do in living life is living a life that's pleasing to ourselves and pleasing to God. The best way to do that is to take care of both our spiritual and our self-care. Thank you for listening.